Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spleichel. And today we're happy to welcome our next guest to discuss the topic of growing your business using Shopify. This guest is the host of Honest E-Commerce, a weekly podcast that gives advice to growing your e-commerce business. In addition, he is the co-founder of Electric Eye, where he and his team create Shopify Power Sales Machine from strategic design development and marketing decisions. Say hello to our guest, Chase Clymer. Hi, Chase. Hey, thanks for having me today. Well, thanks for joining us. Now, before we dive into today's topic, which is growing your business on Shopify, let's first hear your backstory and what ultimately led you to do what you are doing now. Uh, I've been in the e-commerce space now going on seven or eight years. But before that, uh, I kind of always had been in digital marketing and just the creative space, kind of grew up with computers and always loved them. Uh, and before, uh, before e-commerce and before kind of digital marketing was my career, uh, I was a wannabe rock star and I was a band and that didn't do it, that didn't pay the bills. Uh, and so the whole time I was doing that and touring the country, I was kind of sharpening my, my tools when it came to doing digital marketing and uh, kept getting closer to the money, as they say. Uh, started to pick up more with marketing and advertising, learning kind of the value behind those activities, uh, uh, you know, how to drive traffic and profitably and all, the, all that stuff. And uh, once kind of hung up my rock star hat, I kind of went all in on digital marketing uh, around the same time that my business partner exited his e-commerce company. Um, and we, you know, just started tag teaming some projects together. Uh, and uh, we said we didn't want to start an agency. We both wanted to do our, our own thing. And then uh, six months later, we had an agency with about a dozen retainer clients and the, the rest is history. Interesting. Where, where are you uh, based out of? I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. And it was rocking Ohio or were you all over the place? I, I was all over the place. I saw, uh, through, in those days, I saw pretty much everything in the continental United States. I uh, did some tours in Canada. Uh, we had some offers to go overseas, but, uh, it, we were like too small for it to be profitable. Now, let me ask you something. So you guys you spe specialize in Shopify. Mm -hmm. well, there's, there's quite a few e-commerce platforms out there. Why, why have you really zeroed in on Shopify? You know, uh, it honestly comes down to the community that was behind it. We were young in the game when we started to really dive into this agency space and, and becoming service providers and learning all this stuff. And Shopify really had an amazing partner community. And what really sealed the deal for us was about three months into like the, the birth of our agency, we ended up going to a, a Shopify event in New York, I believe. And uh, at that event, we spoke with some people that you know were two, three steps ahead of us in their business life cycle. And they were just so helpful and just gave us all sorts of awesome advice. And just the sense of community that we found and our questions were getting answered. We were like, all right, this is the space we definitely know we want to play in. And then as we got smarter and uh, a little bit more uh, business savvy, we were like, hey, 
processes, SOPs, frameworks, all that stuff is a lot easier when you only have one technology like platform to tie it to, only one process, only one way to back stuff up, only one, only one, only one. Things get a lot easier, more repeatable, way more efficient. Now, let me tell you, when I first got into to e-commerce, it was back in the early 2000s and had a lot of partners who worked on Yahoo small business platforms who, you know, today, fast forward, that platform's almost obsolete. Do you have any worry that something like that could happen to Shopify by concentrating just on one platform? You know, that's always the worry when you hit your business to kind of like a, a one horse. I think that all of our processes that we built into the business and all the stuff that we bring to the table would allow us to be pretty agile to shift focus to maybe other platforms or technologies or other specialties kind of within the same wheelhouse. Um, a lot of it is could be copy and paste. Um, but funny enough, going back to you mentioning Yahoo Commerce, that platform was so bad. I, I, I had someone reach out a couple months ago and I was trying to pull some vain KPIs out of the store so I could like, you know, kind of help paint the picture be like, this is what it's doing now. This is what it could happen. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, you, you can't get, you can't get your conversion rate out of those stores. Like I think only thing it showed you was gross sales and, uh, and traffic. And that was it. So no average order value that you could pull out of it and no conversion rate that you pull out of it. Now, Let's talk a little bit with one of your services you mentioned is development and marketing decisions for Yahoo, for shops, for Shopify stores. But let, let's talk about design first. What are some of the elements when you do a replatforming or, or even you're starting a new store, a new Shopify store for a client? What are some of the most important elements you find to create initial solid conversion rate? I mean, it, 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 is, it we're not reinventing the wheel here. The internet knows innately how to shop an e-commerce store. So first and foremost is don't try to get too creative with it or too tricky with it. You can build a beautiful store with an amazing user experience, but it kind of needs to follow that same natural flow and the patterns that are learned from using the internet and shopping right now. So my first advice is don't try to reinvent the wheel. Like That's going to be detrimental to your conversion rate. Uh, my next advice is just every page should have a goal and most of those goals should be moving the customer one step forward, one step down the path of that customer journey. And the one way I, I kind of, the way we envision the customer journey at Electric Eye is there's the home page. Its goal is to get someone to the collection page. The collection page's goal is to help someone get to the product fast as possible. Product page's goal is to get that product in the cart, cart to check out, check out, you're done, right? That's the customer journey. Anytime that you have any sort of issues in that journey, that's an opportunity for the customer to get fed up, get confused. Uh, maybe your page isn't loading fast enough, they get fed up and they leave. You know, All of the extra steps in that journey are going to slow down that process and that's going to lead to a lower conversion rate. So streamlining that experience uh, is, is really crucial. Um, honestly, when we're taking on clients and doing projects, there's just so much fundamentals that aren't in place. Um, we're working with clients that are a little further along in their journey. So they're not much startups anymore. They're, they're kind of established. They've figured out their product market fit, but you know, they don't have a technical partner. They don't understand UX, you know, user experience, user design, customer experience, and how these things translate to what a website should look like. You know, most of the times they're, they're, they're buying or using a free theme uh, from you know, e the ecosystem that exists around Shopify and they're mm -hmm. doing it themselves or their buddy who wants to, you know, that does it and it's, it isn't done professionally. And 
there's one thing when it's, you don't understand why things should be the way they should. Oftentimes mistakes are made and those mistakes oftentimes add up um, to where, you know, it, it's really detrimental to what's happening on your store. Um, so oftentimes when we come in, it, it is a pretty big lift on the design side of redoing the user experience. Um, again, to the just design in general, um, the level of professionalism that your website extends into the world equates to the value that is perceived by your visitors. So there's this like almost un, un, uh, like unquantifiable result that comes from just having a beautiful, like a well-designed website and then having a well-designed website that user experience is almost like second nature to your visitors just does the thing correctly. But none of that really helps if people don't want your product. A great website, great marketing, great design isn't going to help sell a product that nobody cares about. Sure, sure. No, that makes sense. After you develop a website, do you spend time optimizing different elements, te testing different elements to see if they affect conversion? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the, the second piece of the puzzle is, well, it, it's, it's a piece of puzzle that most listeners or people that get into the space need to just realize from the get-go. Your website's never done. It can always be better. Things can always be improved. So that's just the nature of the beast. It's the industry that we're in. So that we're, there's always things to, to test out, to change, to try. New technologies emerging, new marketing channels emerging. Uh, and that makes it fun. You know what I mean? Now, one of the drawbacks from Shopify stores, from what I've heard, is that just the nature of them based on theme makes them a little bit less responsive in, in terms of speed. Now, with this new Google algorithm page experience update coming out, how would you address that as far as is Shopify perhaps being a little bit slower in, in page load time? I don't think it is Shopify's like a Shopify issue as a hosted solution for an e-commerce platform. That is not the issue here. The issue is uh, people blame Shopify for choices they have made. When you're buying an off-the-shelf theme, it's got a million issues upon iterations because it's trying to be everything for everybody and it's not tailor-made for your particular store. So that's a lot of extra stuff that's loading in the background within this theme that you're buying uh, that's going to slow down your store. Also, every app you install on your store is going to slow down your store. Even when you uninstall it, that code's still there. It's another JavaScript call. It's, it's slowing down your store. And these are things that people don't understand. And it's, it's kind of uh, inherently an issue, I think, within the community that it's like, there's an app for this and you can try all these things out and you can test it, see which one works. But when you do that, they, you just turn your code into spaghetti and you ruin it. So when we start working with people or just, I'm not, it's just, here's the, the honest truth. You, the more apps you install, the slower your site's going to be. There's a trade-off and you need to really understand whether or not that functionality is going to move the needle enough to the detriment it's going to give to your page speed. Um, with that being said, within e-commerce, like pages are inherently heavier. They load a little bit slower. That's the nature of the beast and everyone kind of is used to it. And I think it gets to a certain point once you, understand what you're doing and your code isn't spaghetti and it's like optimized and tailored for the exact results that you want. You know, it's kind of like the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze anymore at a certain point. Once you kind of go down that path, the time is way better spent 
on uh, like better sales strategies, like thinking about a cool promotion or offer. Uh, like that's way better use of your time after you kind of get it to the best point you can. So you had mentioned earlier, well, with that, that answer, that people typically just download existing themes that have been changed. When, when you're taking on a client, are you doing something different or are you removing stuff from a theme? What, what's your process there? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, so I don't mean to say, and I, I should get out ahead of this, I don't mean to say that any of the themes that are out there, the free ones or, or the more premium ones that are a couple hundred bucks, that they're bad. I think they have their place in the market. I think if you're a startup, if you're under a million dollars a year in sales, I think you should use an off-the-shelf theme, save your money, don't hire us, don't hire anyone else. You don't need anything custom. You can get it done with what's off the shelf because your money, your time, your energy is better focused on working, on getting eyes to your website and, and getting more sales. That should be, when you're going from zero to one, I would say, you know, starting a business to like having a business in e-commerce, you know, if we want to call it numbers like from zero dollars a year to about a million dollars a year, that whole time you shouldn't really focus on your website as much as you should focus on the offer and your marketing and trying to get something repeatable there. When you kind of get that figured out, you have product market fit, then it's worth investing in a website and hiring uh, someone that knows what they're doing, you know, maybe an agency like ours or someone else's. Um, and when someone comes in and works with us, what we're doing is we are doing a custom build. We're taking uh, what they're like, we go through a, an intense, not intense, I don't know, it takes a couple weeks, but we go through a whole strategy session, we take a look at all the apps that they're using, all the functionality that they need, uh, talk about what they're their customers actually need out of this experience. And we build a tailor-made experience, a tailor-made theme specifically to what those customers need. Um, and what that does is it creates a lightning fast website, which just helps so much with performance. And it's beautifully designed and all of the features that we can build into it and not make apps anymore are built into it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of work done to increase the conversion rate. There's a lot of work done, a lot of work done to help increase average order value. Um, and you know, those two pieces of the puzzle really, really help. And that gives you a really, really solid foundation to then move into, you know, paid media and owned marketing. So like the Facebook and Google ads and the email and SMS stuff. Sure. Now let's, um, let's talk about those Shopify apps for a second, especially mm -hmm. for those that, that are just getting started and may not be able to afford a, a custom theme. Now I see that that Rewind is a sponsor of your podcast, but so I, I imagine you're you're going to say that's a, a must. But what are some other apps that you find that most Shopify stores should consider adding to their store? Yeah, and, and that's a great question. And it's again, it goes back to that whole statement of do you need that functionality? Like, is is the weight it gives to your website as kind of in terms of page load worth the result it's going to give you in terms of profit pulled from kind of that thing. So it is kind of a case by case things, but a more generic specific answer to your question. Klaviyo is my favorite like app that is t related to Shopify out in the ecosystem for automated email marketing and they're crushing it for SMS right now too. Uh, that's a fantastic platform. Um, if you're looking for just SMS, I think PostScript does a really good job as well. Um, you know, you need, you need some, you need a good review platform as well. I think the uh -huh. free one is fine for quite a while, uh, but there are some more robust ones that have better integrations. I think we're using judge.me a lot these days on these projects. 
Um, if you're looking or, you know, if you have a subscription style business, you know, the 800 pound gorilla in the room is re, uh, recharge and it's, it's pretty cool for what it does. They've had a lot of updates lately to kind of bring some cool stuff to the table there. Um, and kind of, uh, for post-purchase, uh, like upsells, one-click upsells, post-purchase, there's a lot of few, uh, there's a few new newcomers into the space. Uh, there's like apps like one-click upsell and post-purchase promotions uh, that can really try to help you do, raise that AOV. Um, so you, you, do know, recommend, you recommend the post-sale post app? Well, <laughs> that's see, that's the thing. It's, does it need to be an app or can your team custom build that thing? Like which one's going to be faster? Which one is a is it a better investment at the time? And it, it goes back to the whole kind of, it's a case by case thing. Cause so we're, we're building those things into some themes uh, within the custom build. And then some of them, it does make more sense to use an off the shelf app. So the thing with these apps is you're kind of painted into a corner of what they want the functionality to be. And you can't really change that. So sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't because every e-commerce business is different. Now, for, for the product review apps, um, what about Stamped.io? Do you use that at all? We've used that on a few projects before as well. Okay. Yeah, no, I just had found really good luck because they already have an XML feed that you can put in your Google Shopping uh, Merchant Center and be able to, to easily show your product reviews. So I was excited to find that a few, a few weeks ago. So you talked a little bit about the email automations, and we've had quite a few guests lately discussing email marketing and specifically automated emails. And I see that is a service that you guys you offer. What are, what are some different email automations that, that you recommend or, or SMS recommendations? Absolutely. I mean, the first, the first one that everybody needs to have is you need to have a welcome series. Some people think that they're too cool for a welcome series and you're just straight up leaving money on the table. Um, I think a welcome series is a fantastic way to educate uh, potential new customers about the brand, about your values, about your benefits, your features, all of that stuff. The welcome series is the number one automation that you should have, right? It's like the first automation that ever existed for email marketing and every brand should have it. Um, beyond that, you can get a little crazy with things. I mean, if you can dream it, you can build it within Clavio as long as you can tie it to a trigger. Um, some more creative things that we've seen as of late. Uh, one's, one that's really fun that we like to do is a birthday email. Uh, if you know what the If you know what the client's birthday is or customer's birthday is, you can uh, send them uh, a birthday email with perhaps like a discount code or a free gift to purchase something like that. I mean, that's a really, really fun way to, to add more to the automation. Um, you know, we, we've seen a lot of success with like uh, first purchase anniversaries, or if you've got a consumable, uh, I see a lot of uh, kind of automations around like, Hey, that thing is running out. Maybe you need another one. We're trying to upsell them into a subscription through automations. Uh, those are quite fun as well. How have you seen email perform versus SMS? Oh man, it's if you have a good if you have a good strategy behind it, email is extremely crucial. It should be about thirty percent of your revenue, um, and we have seen lately SMS like almost match it uh, on some brands. It depends on kind of the customer sec segmenting and you know how they feel about phones. Uh, but SMS is wild right now. It's it's definitely a, a big channel for the year, I believe. But um, I believe marketers are going to ruin it, <laughs> and uh, it's going to get uh, it's going to go down a bit. But you know, if you're tasteful with your outreach on on SMS, I think you can almost get as close to your email as far as returns go. Now, one of the services I see you guys offer is migration services. 
Can you share a success story that might come to mind of a, of a company that you guys helped migrate into the Shopify platform, some you know, broad range before and after numbers? Uh, I can't really give you numbers per se as far as sales go, but I can give you some, I can give you like a story about a legacy company migrating to Shopify. So they'd been around for over 10, 10 years uh, selling products online uh, and they were on Magento One. Um, and this was a pretty custom build and it was breaking all the time and just their kind of maintenance costs uh, every month, uh, were, were in the thousands of dollars. Um, you know, and, and this wasn't, this wasn't a huge company, you know, they were, they were sub a million dollars a year, but you know, that's, that's a lot of money to maintain a website that should just work. You know what I mean? Um, and they had a vast, vast product catalog. And, uh, once, once they internally made the decision that they wanted to move over to, to Shopify, we helped them on that adventure. And the second things were up and running, the maintenance expenses just disappeared. If you have everything on Shopify and it's working, it's not going to break. You know, then that's the that's the beauty of a hosted solution. Um, you know, when you have Magento, there's a lot more moving parts. There's a lot more mm -hmm. things in the in the mix that can break. Um, and I'm not saying Magento sucks and Shopify is better. I'm just saying there are. There are reasons that there are different platforms out there because they solve different goals. Um, so with them, just, just moving to Shopify, cut their expenses for web drastically. So they reinvested all that money into paid media and had the best year that they've ever had. Did they see any increase in conversion rate making that change? They actually did, but it's not, it's, it's, it's not a one for one thing. And that's something that, that's, that's something that people need to understand is just because you move from Magento to Shopify and your conversion rate goes up and it's because one was worse than the other. If like the test needs to be the same thing, you're changing so many variables within a migration because I guarantee you're redesigning it during a migration as well. And the features are going to be just a little bit different because there's not a one-for-one -one feature match. Um, so yes, their conversion rate did go up, but I mean the entire website is was different, a completely different look and feel, um, a completely different re redesigned kind of navigational structure and how the product hierarchy worked and all sorts of stuff. So it was a, it was a really big change. Um, and actually, like the day it went live, the conversion rate was lower than it was historically on the old website. Because all the old customers that were returning to the website to shop were like, how the heck's this thing work? It's so new. Huh. Um, that happens with every, with every migration. But once people get used to it, they saw a surge and, and they came out on top. When you're migrating a company, what are, what are some of the common mistakes that you have come to notice as you review the layout, what they're doing, that you can put in place to solve? Well, I think one of the number one common mistakes that people are experiencing when they're migrating is uh, they're migrating for the wrong reasons. Uh, is better isn't a reason to migrate. I mean, you got to have this based in like a, in a binary decision that like you're going to get the outcome that you want. So what's the, what's the reason that you want to migrate? You know what I mean? And oftentimes it's like, well, we, we're not happy with our sales. It's like, okay, well, the platform might not be the answer. You know, you know what I mean? There's probably an underlying issue of why you're not happy with your sales. It probably has something to do with your marketing or your offer or your product or something like that. Uh, platform won't solve those things. Um, but say there are good reasons for the migration and it makes sense to move platforms. Uh, you know, one thing to just set expectations out there. Migrations 
are more difficult than just starting over from scratch. Um, and the kind of investment levels will match that just to kind of put expectations out there for people. Um, I think one thing that people do wrong with migrations is that they just disregard SEO redirects, which just tank their organic overnight. Um, so don't do that. Uh, mm -hmm. Make sure that you're setting up redirects from all of your old web pages to all your new web pages because every product URL is going to change. Um, also, something that happens during that is there is um, all of your paid ads are going to the wrong place when you make that shift, and people oftentimes overlook it. Uh, so make sure you're updating your product feeds like the same time you go live with your your new web store. Well, great. Those are great tips. Now. Another question I have for you. So e-commerce, I mean, it's just continuing to growing and it, it's been accelerated even more with, with COVID over the last year plus. Where do you see e-commerce going from here? How, how big a percentage do you see e-commerce being? Uh, I, I just see it continuing to go up. I think that e-commerce got a lot of people, uh, it's not e-commerce. I, I feel like uh, that the COVID got a lot of people shopping online that historically weren't. And then they realize the ease of it. And then you can see like how more traditional retailers are now cloning out aspects of the e-commerce experience to a more traditional brick and mortar with like the, the rise of like uh, click and pick up or local delivery. Um, I think it's only going to get better for consumers, honestly. And if you're, if you're not willing to, evolve with uh, how the world is going and the direction that everything's heading, I'd, I'd be worried about your business. Now, let me ask you a question about your own personal journey. Are there any business books out there that you may attribute for, for any of your success? What uh, really sealed the deal with digital marketing and content marketing for me was Dotcom Secrets by Russell Brunson. Um, what did, what did it for our agency where we finally kind of pulled our heads out of our butts and got things going, um, was traction by Gino Whitman. That really, that changed the game for us. Once we established, like we started to use the EOS framework and we had an operating system to running our business, which I didn't realize we needed because I didn't realize the concept existed. That changed the game for us. Um, the way that we run our uh, finances at the agency is kind of based upon Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Um For sales, I mean, Ultimate Sales Machine was a really good book uh, to kind of learn uh, just how sales work and, and how to be disciplined within sales. Uh, I'm, I'm glossing over a bunch of them. I mean, I, I've read a lot of business books um, and not because like, I favor them. It's just because I would prefer to be the best that I can at what we're doing. Well, those are some great, great recommendations for people, agency or, or e-commerce professionals to read for sure. What is your favorite type of e-commerce company to, to work with? Do you, have, do you have a particular vertical that you guys specialize in or, or something that you, that you like? What, what really gets you going? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I was younger in this business, I probably would have said like a cool brand, like they do skateboarding or something like that, right? But mm -hmm. that's, that's a lie. These days... What excites me is companies that 
we know we can help. And the people on the other end of our calls are nice, genuine human beings. They respect and value us. They listen to the things that we want to do. And we're constantly iterating and pushing things forward and really, you know, blowing things out for them. That's what's exciting for me. I could kind of care less about the product per se, because I'm more, I, I like the impact that we can make. And I like the collaboration between our teams. That's what excites me. So how can a listener right now learn more about you or your podcast or your agency if, if they want to, to hear more? Yeah. I mean, if you want to hear me ramble a lot more, there's hundreds of episodes of our podcast uh, available on whatever podcast thing you like. Uh, you can check that out at honestecommerce.co. Um, and if you think you might be a good fit for Electric Eye or you just want to kind of reach out and, and we can have a quick chat to, and I'll let you know if I think we're a good fit. Uh, you can just check out the agency at electriceye.io. Great. Now, before we go today, what would you like to say to a business owner listening there right now that would be saying, I've been struggling to grow my business and I'm already using Shopify platform. How could you help me? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's a great question. I mean, we basically focus on three fundamental KPIs, conversion rate, average order value, and sessions. And if you don't have a strategy between iterating and improving upon each of those KPIs or growing them, um, you probably should get one. Okay. And what about the business owner who's struggling, who's not using the Shopify platform? I mean, again, it goes back to Shopify is just a tool. If you don't have a strategy, it's not going to do anything for you. I mean, I think if you're looking to launch an e-commerce, Shopify is hands down the easiest way to get started. Um, and I see if, if you haven't started, just do it. Just put the products online, start the store and just get the ball rolling. Because time is the one construct that like all of us have to face. And it's, it, there's never going to be more time. So the best time to start your business was yesterday. So that's great. Is there anything else I might have forgotten to ask you before we wrap it up today? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, uh, it, this is it's a super fun time to be in e-commerce. There's a lot of stuff happening really fast, but you know, you can take it, you can just break it down and make it really simple. You know, you got to put put on put on blinders, focus on your goal, focus on your vision, and just work with people smarter than you to help you do that. Well, great. Well, thanks for joining us today. Now, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave an honest review. And if you're looking for more information regarding Chase or connecting with him, you can connect through how we just mentioned. I will put links to everything in the show notes. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business using paid ads, request to join the Make Each Click Count Facebook group. I've been releasing some all-new free live trainings and more will be happening soon. And in the meantime, remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.